Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Hello, this is Kirsten in that they're London, and this is my twit-to-woody-dum. This is Dum Dee Dum, the show about the archers and the inhabitants of Ambridge. I'm Philippa Hall, excited about her move to Beechwood. Alongside me, on the phone to a support group, we have... Rosie Porty. And bricking it as usual, we have... Quentin Rayner. Finally, there's you, our wonderful listeners, without whom we'd just be talking to ourselves. This week's Dum Dee Dum is from Kirsten, and on this week's episode, we hear from... Brian, Jacqueline, Witherspoon, Jen, Glynn, Claire and Ali. So, Quentin, Rosie, how are you both? Well, I'd like to say, first of all, that I think Kirsten should be called the Twitter of the Week, shouldn't she, really? With her, with her tweet-a-woo. <laughs> very good, very well, good. That came to be... In a second, there you go. My spontaneity is over for the week. Um, I, I've uh, me, I've just been mowing, 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 mowing. Ever since I returned from the beauty of the North Cornish coast, I've come home to find a meadow because we've <laughs> foolishly, you might say, had our well, I call it laughingly grass treated. It was mainly moss and rubbish tr- treated, and it's all been fertilised, and it's just it's just gone bananas. So I've had to mow it twice in five days. That's been my week. Interesting, isn't it? Exciting stuff. Rosie? <laughs> um, well, I've been practising my walking because I'm taking part in the Edinburgh Festival Marathon this weekend coming um, in support of the SPCA, which is the Scottish Wildlife Charity, um, following all of my Bonnie at the Swan adventures. So that's what I've been up to. So is that a full full marathon, Rosie? So it's over two days and you can run it, you can jog it, you can walk it. So I'll be walking 
um, through some beautiful areas of East Lothian and Edinburgh. So you'll be doing about 13 miles a day? Yes, which is exciting. And hopefully the weather's going to be better than it has been because it's been torrential rain plus freezing cold hailstones. So pray for sunshine for Rosie. No, we will. That will be a breeze for you, though, Philippa, won't it? Because you're, you're quite a rambler. Well, I well, I am. Well, I'm I'm quite a, a chocolate bar eater, so then I have to burn the calories. You know, that that's the relationship. <laughs> so I you have. eat you eat marathons, as they used to be called. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That that's my attempt. Yes, I've only done one marathon, and when I finished, I immediately looked at how many calories I'd burned, so I could work out how many bars of calories I could I could then consume. But never mind, dear oh dear. What, what did you both think about the week in Ambridge? It's been quite eventful. What did I think about the week in Ambridge? Well, uh, I think it's been a, it's been, I would say we need to pay homage to Mr. Carter. I say we should kneel before Neil. <laughs> he's, he's, he's been, he's played an absolute blinder, the actor Brian Hewlett, who, who, who plays Neil. He's also been extremely well written as well, I think. I think mm. the writing this week has been excellent. We've had a lot of strong scenes and we certainly had a lot of drama, haven't we? A lot of arguments and angst and pain mm. and plot developments and subplots and um brick throwing uh, it's been a smashing week really hasn't it um but i i do think the star has been at uh, neil uh and i've always been a big champion of brian uh i have to say coming up on the inside in, in terms of my favorite character is neil um he really he's the sort of guy uh i once when i was working years ago somebody described a colleague as as somebody you would follow into the jungle and by that he meant that mm. you know you would trust him to lead you through the jungle and out again and neil's that sort of character he's calm he's considerate he's got emotional intelligence he's very measured and uh I think he's coming out as a super fellow because up to now, until he lost it with Susan during the monologues, uh, if you remember <laughs> those, I always thought Neil was a bit dull, a bit boring, a bit of a behind-the-scenes character, yeah. one of those also-rans. But he's ever since then, he's really come into his stride. And I thought when he lost it with Emma, that was a fantastic scene because it, it takes something for Neil to lose it. And he really put her in a place and said, this is not helping, Emma. We need constructiveness. So for goodness sake, stop it. And it actually stopped Emma in her tracks, which is quite something. Well, so, it, did, it did, Quentin, but then she kind of came back again. She did so a bit. She couldn't help herself. Yeah. But she took his point. She took his point. Whether she'll actually see it through is another matter. But the other thing I couldn't agree, <laughs> you've got calm, measured Neil, and he's got, how, how did... He, he produced this headstrong daughter and married this headstrong wife. The contrast is is, is wonderful, and he, he he plays so well against the two of them. He really does, and I think also he was able to put Brian in his place this week as well, mm, which was great yeah. to hear. Yeah. And he was able to sort of just, I think, gently remind Brian that this isn't a kind of blip in the start of marriage with Alice and Chris. This is something really, really serious. And the way he spoke about Alice was lovely, Mm. both to Brian, but also to Alice herself. So there was real love and affection there from him that we obviously haven't heard from Alice mm. back to the Carter family. So I think that was wonderful to hear. We'll come on to Brian later on in, in when the listeners come into this, because there's some feedback about Brian that I completely agree with. 
Um, but yes, I think definitely team Neil all the way. And there's some standout lines from Neil, wasn't there? When when he's having his <clears throat> when he was putting Emma in her place, and his his voice broke as well when he delivered that line. He said, "It's it's it's near enough breaking my heart." And there was a mm-hmm. crack in his voice, which was a brilliant bit of acting, I thought. And he also, when he was t- talking to Alice, said, "You know, where's that beautiful girl gone? Mm-hmm. I hope we can find her again." Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was. Excellent, I thought, in terms of both acting and writing. Yes, I thought it was just a phenomenal week. It's the first time in a long time that I have actually listened live to an episode, which was Thursdays. I just had to find out what the conclusion of of the brick throwing was. And and to hear more about Jazza and his background as well, I thought that was very telling. I was quite confused that Jazza was wearing PPE to treat shock, but <laughs> never mind. That That's all the, all the fun he, of the he made, art. He made reference to a child hiding in a fireplace or... Was yeah, under a table. Under and, a table. Was that him? Yeah. That was, was him. So right. he, was going, he was going back to his childhood. Well, ah. when he was kicking Alice out or kicking her away from the door, he was going back to, to you know, his, his childhood and coming out with some of the vernacular associated with, you know, being a good mall and that kind of thing. And it, that ah. was heartbreaking as well because we've never really heard a lot about Jazz's backstory. And he really does see Jim as kind of his father figure. Um and that was definitely him, you know, effectively projecting his childhood horrible experiences onto Alice and just saying that Martha's worth more than that and she needs a good mum. Hmm. Well, that's what we think. Now let's hear your views. And if someone wants to get in contact, how can they do that? If you would like to comment on The Archers or leave us a plot prediction, then leave us a message on SpeakPipe, which you can find on dumptydum.com. Or you can send a voice note or text via WhatsApp to 07957 167 696 and add a plus 44 if you're outside the UK. Now, not everybody likes to phone in and, and leave a voicemail. So we'd, we'd love to also hear from you if you prefer to email. Uh, so also head to dumptydum.com and click the Contact Us tab at the top. So what did you, our lovely dum dum community, think of the week? Hello, Ambridge3962. So first off, we have brilliant Brian. Hello, Brian here. I've rung him for a while because uh, the Alison storyline has been very difficult for... I didn't want to put my pontificate too much on something I don't know much about. I mean, I, I do on Twitter, but everybody does pontificate on things they don't know about on Twitter, but there we go. Um, no, I was ringing to just apologise on behalf of all Brian's for the way Brian Aldridge has been behaving the last few weeks. Uh, seen the worst of him uh, these last weeks. The denial and not accepting what... The situation is with Alice, I can understand, but the uh, way he's tried to just brush it away with the, under the carpet by waving money at it, which is his standard way of doing things, um, is not a good, not a good thing. And um, when he said about the Alice brick, people overreacting when Alice threw a brick through the window, 
Yeah, he wouldn't have said that if it had been the, one of the button girls had thrown the brick through the shop window. I'm sure he would have been quite happy to have him locked up. So, yeah, we've not seen the best side of him this week. So, as I say, I do apologise on behalf of all Brian's for the way that he has been acting. But that's it. Nice say hello again and uh, speak to you soon. Thanks then. Okay, bye. Thank you, Brian, for that mea culpa on behalf of all Brian's. Lovely to hear. I mean, I think my, you know, my views about Brian Aldridge are get him into the slurry pits at Barrow Farm ASAP. I can't stand him. I understand my other teammates are massive Brian fans, um, but I absolutely just, I'm, I've had it with Brian trying to basically pay off Susan after his daughter almost blinded her with shards of, you know, shards of glass and brick is just unacceptable. But um, I think Quentin's more of a fan of Super Brian than I am. Isn't that right? I am. Uh, and even you, Rosie, have conceded on Twitter, even though you want to see him buried in a slurry pit, you've conceded he's one of the best characters in the Archers. Come on, admit it. He's a good character, but that yeah. doesn't mean that you don't have to get rid of, you know, the old good character now and again. You'd miss him. Mm. You'd miss him. No, I wouldn't. You Kill would. Him. <laughs> Kerry Davis, Sarah here. Kill him. No, no, <laughs> no, Bri- no. Brian is the heart and soul, I would argue, of the Archers. Without him, I think I think I would have to go elsewhere. I c- couldn't do without me, Brian. I mean, uh, Brian's been an arse. He's been a total tit the past couple of weeks. Awful, awful. I mean, his behaviour, um, I, I, I will not condone it. And that's why, as I said earlier, Neil is uh, playing a blinder and coming up on the inside for my affections. I think Brian will always nudge it for me because he is such a, uh, interesting, rounded, frustrating, annoying, brilliant, awful, flawed character. So I will always defend Brian to the hill, but I understand why he gets under people's skin. Uh, there was, it's this, he's just, he, he's just hoping to, to delude himself that Alice's resilience and upbringing and, and Aldridge backbone will get her through. And mm-hmm. but they were seeing little flashes, aren't we, from Brian of, of that self-doubt. He's asking questions of you know, I, he said to 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 Neil, didn't he? I I don't know what we do from here. So it's big this um front is beginning to crack, and I think he's beginning to realise that they have got a problem on their hands. But my word, he's just burying his ha- head in the sand as much as possible. And yeah, flashing the checkbook was <clears throat> was not tasteful, was it? And worrying about whether Alice was going to be charged or not, which, to be fair, any parent would be worried about that. But the, the way he said it was more about, um, you know, worrying about the uh, the image of the family and all that. I sensed mm-hmm. a bit. So yeah, Brian. Oh yeah, it's it's been a bad couple of weeks for Brian. I will not defend him on that basis, but it's still always interesting. Yes, it was classic Brian, wasn't it? Sol- solved the problem with money, uh, and uh, I love the the comment. Not seeing his best side. That's his only side. The Brian doesn't have any other sides to that. And Quentin, uh, you were saying I? you were saying he was the heart and soul. I, I mean, I I love the character of Brian, but he's not the heart and soul. He's the, he's the banker. He's the banker of Ambridge. Yeah. That, that's what he is. He he doesn't possess the sort of empathy that that we want him to. But no. but. Then then if he offered, I don't know, meditation and breathing therapy, I'd probably be even more concerned about him than I was with the the 
pretty poor response he, he gave. And when he said to Neil that he would go and ask Hannah about the figures, I was just shaking my head saying, no, Brian, you've pushed me too far. You are not talking to Hannah. That, that was it for me. Amazing. Good. Right. That's two against one. No, I, I, <laughs> Philippa would miss Brian as well, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I, I love the character of him. I, he, he makes me smile because he's so awful. Uh, you know, it's like a villain without it being a, a Rob yeah. or, a, or a Philip Moss villain. Um, yeah. You know, you can despise him, but you enjoy uh, the role that he plays in in winding several people up, but yes, poor, poor a poor week, Brian must do better. I, I think you're right. I, 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 he's not the heart and soul. I think there are other hearts and souls around, and perhaps you could argue that characters like Neil are more of the heart and soul. Mm. And people have always said, whether you like him or not, David and Ruth really are the archers. I get that, but I think the the archers will be much poorer without Brian. Yes, we have to have he, characters it, we dislike. It, if he is the banker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Brian, that was absolutely superb. Thank you very much. And, and we like your to... pontificating as well, Brian. Yes. Pontificate away. <laughs> yes, do call back. And, and now we go to the jewel that is Jacqueline. Hi, everybody. This is Jacqueline Berto from Sanguen in Northern Brittany. Um, Neil, how lovely is he? He has such a calming voice and seems capable of handling Brian, Emma, Susan. Everybody comes to us so well. I kept thinking, what lucky pigs. On the other hand, Shula. Ugh, going on about the demand sent by mistake rather than just a request for payment. Uh, telling, telling us all that it was upsetting so many people. Oh, for goodness sake. Talk about get a life. I have no idea what kind of pastoral care she'll be capable of giving when and if she becomes a vicar. But I hope she never comes to my parish. Oh, bitter. Oh, brutal. <laughs> I don't think she likes Shula. <laughs> nice to hear from you, Jacqueline, from northern France. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's unfortunate, wasn't it, that that was Shula's cameo appearance in however many weeks. Mm. She comes in to, to sort of moan about some reminder about the newspapers that Susan accidentally put out and was very apologetic about yes it, it, she didn't she didn't come out of that very well didn't she uh, there seems to be more concern about Sabrina I mean who Sabrina seems to be this terrifying sinister silent character that we never hear from anymore but everybody seems terrified that Sabrina Thwaite was somehow upset as well so, um, Jacqueline, we, we feel you, feel your pain for uh, about Shula, and we do wonder about her future pastoral care. That's always been a big concern, hasn't it? We're with you on Neil, of course. Completely agree with you. And yes, his pigs are very lucky. They are. I mean, Shula did actually show a sign of concern for Susan because she did say, "Could you take some time off from the shop?" True. So, right at the end of the kind of debacle in relation to a few, you know, a, a mistake with a, you know, payment reminder. Shula did sort of try and suggest to Susan taking some time off, which later on in the week, we obviously heard Helen taking a really lovely active role and basically, you know, seeing alive the land, seeing how exhausted poor Susan was. I mean, honestly, I thought Susan might have a heart attack this week. Mm. She's been under so much pressure. She's not sleeping. She's incredibly stressed. And, you know, when the brick was shut through the window, I thought it was actually Susan having a stroke. Personally. So did I. I thought she'd collapsed. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah, I thought she'd collapsed. Yes. 
So did I, yes. Oh, I agree with you about Helen. I thought Helen had a, played, played a, a blinder. I know she irritates most of us, but actually in that scene with Susan, she was excellent and a proper, responsible and considerate employer. So, yes, a good week for Helen as well. I don't know. I take issue with with uh, the scene with Helen because she started off being very kind. Do you need compassionate leave? Do you need to take some time off? You know, you've got to look after yourself. It's completely understandable. And if you'd like compassionate leave, that's absolutely fine. Or if you'd just like to cut your hours a little bit. So <laughs> was was Helen just expecting her to cut her hours by 15 minutes? No, I, th- I, th- I thought that was another option. No, I thought she was just giving okay. her all the options. I think you've been... Uh, I think you're being mean there, Philippa. <laughs> Am I being mean? I don't like being called mean, but we are talking about <laughs> Helen there. But anyway, True. yeah, I, I I thought the the scene with Shula was was yes pretty dispiriting, and and what was it there to show us that that poor Susan is under so much pressure, and that Shula, while we haven't been hearing her for a few weeks, it's not that she's been away on a compassionate course or you know how how to be. Uh, nicer and more caring to people. She's certainly not been away doing that. Dear, oh dear. Rosie, why is everybody terrified of Sabrina? I think it's her, it's her schnauzer. Sabrina schnauzer maybe terrorised the village in the past. I don't know. When was she the last time we heard, has she ever we, spoken we, a line? Never, we've, we've never heard yeah. from Sabrina. She's always been silent. So right. I think in people's minds, she may have Medusa-like qualities where she can you know, I don't know, destroy people or something. I'm not quite sure what it is with Sabrina. I've, I've always found her to be kind of a, a, a funny character. But then there's Lavinia, who was the lady who had the romantic encounter with Alistair. So I always get those two confused. Like, I think <laughs> L- L- Lavinia had a snake in her house and Sabrina has a schnauzer. God. And that's as much as I can kind of remember. <laughs> this sounds very euphemistic to me. <laughs> but Sabrina... Well, you- <laughs> Uh, Sabrina seems to me as if she's like a character from Made in Chelsea, you know, with all the deluxe handbags and uh, and glossy hair, and um, uh, certainly knows how to how to carry herself. But is that just mm. is that just me? It's probably just you, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just you. Right. Well, on, on from that. Thank you, Jacqueline. Thank you. That was a that was a grand call. And now we go on to, of course, the Upper East West Side. It's the wonderful Witherspoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. The other day, I was listening to another favorite podcast, The Moth. I think I've mentioned it before. In it, ordinary people tell fascinating stories of their lives. Anyway, this past week, one storyteller told her story of coming down with a horrific case of postnatal depression with psychotic symptoms while taking care of her newborn. Very fortunately, while in a delusional state, she went to her psychiatrist's office, was hospitalized, and got the treatment she needed. Her biggest concern while ill was not to be separated from her baby. Fortunately, she completely recovered and is parenting her now 12-year-old child as well as a younger son. She emphasized two important points. First, the need to focus on the mental health needs of pregnant and postnatal women. And second, this was a messy and ugly story that didn't have a happy ending until much later. Turning back to Alice, it seems that no one is focusing on her mental health. It goes back to the need to think of alcoholism as an illness that requires treatment. 
not scorn, rejection, or punishment. Meanwhile, her story is becoming messier and uglier. A short while ago, we had thought that Alice had reached rock bottom, but we see this elevator she is on keep descending through an undiscovered country of lower and lower depths. Meanwhile, as far as I'm concerned, this week Brian struck out and should be sent to the minor league of fathers. He and Jennifer presented textbook examples of enabling parents who try to minimize and rationalize and clean up the mess an alcoholic makes. It was the perfect time for her loved ones to stage an intervention. Hey, you don't want police charges to be brought against you? Then pack your bag and head to rehab. We'll see what social services say this week. Talk to you soon. Um, well, thank you, Witherspoon. Um, the Moth Radio Hour is, is one of my favorites as well. It's amazing hearing from people all over the world sharing their experiences. Yeah. And I have to agree that Brian, you know, failed massively this week, as I've already said. And there is a need for everybody in the village, you know, to recognise that alcoholism is an illness. It does need treatment. But Alice needs to get, you know, residential care. She needs to get away from Ambridge, get away from her family and hopefully get residential care alongside Martha, if possible. But on her own, if that's not going to happen, because she just needs to get away from from that village because she's not getting the support and the care that she needs. Yes, I th- the key word that Witherspoon kept mentioning, of course, was messy. And it is going to get messier and messier. And we are seeing poor Alice tumble from rock bottom to whatever is subterranean. Um, yeah, she keeps falling, doesn't she? One point I wanted to make, I thought the, the mentioned the very good acting by Brian Hewlett, who plays Neil. There's been superb acting also by Holly Chapman, who plays Alice. And something I tweeted about this week is that you she very subtly introduces tonal changes that indicate her state of mind. And we saw it with she had that bust up with Chris, and he sensed that her rising agitation was a sign that she was drunk and he threw her out. When she was in the shop trying to seduce Jim almost literally to give her some vodka. Yeah, the changes in tone throughout that was very interesting. She came in as the seductress, the temptress, and then she started to get niggly and, and angry. And then also obviously the shouting match with Susan and then ultimately the bricks with the window. So hats off also to to Holly Chapman, I think, who's 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 really developing uh, as her, her acting in, in this, because this is the first chance she's ever really had, I think, to get her teeth into a really juicy plot line. So I thought she's done very well. Um, I think Witherspoon was suggesting that there has been some progress on the parental front from Brian and Jenny, although they've got a long way to go. Um, but he crit- critical of them as being these sort of enabling parents who just want to sort of brush it all under the carpet and clear up the mess. As he said, they've got to realise that Alice needs to head to rehab, and that really is the only way for her. Yeah, I, I it's this it's this rock bottom, as as you've said. You know when when and how bad will she hit the rock bottom? And the fall from grace just seems to be gathering momentum and what nasty end awaits. It, it does concern me. Uh, and I take with a, with a spoon's point about how Brian and Jennifer are just um, being enabling parents and they need to say to Alice, no, this, this is, this is no more. This can't, cannot go on. But also I wondered, and I could be wrong about this, but in a way is Susan enabling Chris because she's just um, picked him up and the baby and she's not saying, well, no, hang on, stop. 
we need to get some support in you're dealing you know you've had a lot to deal with we need to get help um, from the, the various organizations that we've heard about over the weeks um, and she's just stepping in and not really helping him face up to it I, d- I don't know it, I'm not saying she's doing what Brian and Jennifer are doing but still they both seem to be with their respective parents and are not looking to uh, sorted out. Neil certainly more more than Susan. Susan, crikey, she's had an awful week anyway. So perhaps I'm being a, a little bit unfair. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? But Neil, Neil, Neil was alluding to that. Yes. You know when Chris first came back. Yes. Uh, with Martha, and he said to Susan, "We need to sit down exactly. and talk about this because he, he 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 sussed the reality of what all this meant." So um, I think we're going to. I think there's going to be, I think there, there will be more reality checks, especially with the strain on Susan. Mm. Now social services are involved, there will have to be a, basically a case meeting where Alice's mid, you know, um, um, not midwife, but whoever mm. it is that comes around after you've had a baby, um, you know, and the other relevant agencies, there'll have to be a case meeting that we make that we we could actually hear. So that that would be interesting to hear how the NHS deals with alcoholic early you know new mothers because that would be a really interesting insight to hear wouldn't it how the different agencies Mm. collaborate coordinate to take action because they do behind the scenes you know we do know that there are case meetings about situations like this and it'd be great if the archers were able to shine a bit of a light into that collaborative work because effectively until you know I guess somebody in authority says to the Carter family and the Archer family, this is really serious. This child could be taken into temporary foster care because of the risk she she faces. I don't really see them taking any action. I, I think there does need to be a kind of a sort of an intervention from a third party. Yeah, I think the, the dramatic potential, as you said, if we were privy to a case meeting would be very interesting. So there's there's so much more to go at here isn't there as a piece of drama what do we think of the scene in the shop the 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 request for vodka the moral dilemma that jim found himself in and then susan losing it with both him and and alice was was that plausible alice coming in and trying to manipulate jim do you think jim's justification ultimately for serving her was was plausible I thought it was an extraordinary episode. I I really did. I, I I didn't like the way Alice was talking to Jim just because it made me feel uncomfortable. Um, but it, it, I had no idea that she would put a brick through the window. And what what would make someone do that? But it it just shows when you're in those awful circumstances, you you don't think rationally and you are just pushed. So yeah, I I thought it it was extraordinary. Do, do you think Jim's justification? for ultimately serving her, or he's just about to give her a bit of vodka on the basis that she would go off and she would drive somewhere else and get it. I think I think he should I think he should sort of just actually said no myself. Well it, it reminded me of the scene in the bathroom where she just in the end had to have a little bit of alcohol to get her through to then treat the situation safely. 
And, uh, you know, there was no right answer for Jim. What the, There was nothing he could do that was going to be the, the correct way of dealing with it. But but if she drove the car and hurt somebody, I... I we'll call her bluff and just say, no, I'm not serving you. All this would be solved if she just had a home delivery of booze, wouldn't it? <laughs> I couldn't help thinking you don't have to... <laughs> I guess, I guess, Quentin. I guess you you may never have seen somebody in in extremis, so you you, you may never have witnessed somebody mm. in such a horrendous situation. And I, I, agree. I, I personally haven't either. However, I think that Jim was doing the only sensible thing from his perspective to stop her driving because he was worried that she was mm. going to drive mm. drunk and harm someone. So he did the only rational thing I mean for me uh, if I'd been able to I would have phoned Jenny if I'd had time but the way that she was escalating her behavior and effectively threatening him was he he was kind of left with no choice I think in the matter and I'm, and I think it was incredibly well acted and I think the sort of the scenes later on between Jazza and Jim were beautiful as well in the sense of Jim yeah that was good. bringing his life experience back into this and trying to to get through to, to Jazzer. And in a way, you know, because Jazzer obviously suffered neglect as a child, he is now projecting that, like his own experiences with his mother onto Alice, which is fascinating. So I think the acting and the script writing has been utterly tremendous this week. And and what we don't know is what he would have done next. You know, he, he may have had a plan once Alice had left with the bottle to then make phone calls and sort something out. That 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 we don't know. But we've got lots of calls. There's lots more to, to hear. So um, thank you so much, Witherspoon, for your call as always. And now we go to the first of two calls from Jen. This one, I, I it sounds like she's in a car, um, but here we go. Here is joyful Jen. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Land. It's Jen, Ambridge Pony Club here. Just calling in to say, I'm kind of shocked and stunned. I'm not, I'm surprised, not surprised by the reaction of Shula to poor old Susan's screw-up in the shop this week. I mean, there they are. They're all busy gossiping away about the scandalous christening that never was. They know that Alice is an alcoholic, or at least the rumours are going round. They know that Alice and Chris are in big trouble. And they know that poor old Neil and Susan are having to struggle with a premature newborn who's just been taken away from her mother. And what does our lovely trainee vicar to be kind Shula do? Does she get down the shop there with some nice ready cooked meals, you know, good fish paste casserole or whatever she would make? No. Does she bother to ask poor old Susan if she's okay, if she's coping, can she help out for a few hours? No. She just tears a strip off her because Susan's accidentally told her that she's got to pay for her newspapers when they were already paid. I mean, my goodness. Has she nothing better to worry about? I thought she'd have a few textbooks on pastoral counselling to read up about. And then she tears another strip off Susan and says that her mother and Auntie Peggy are even more annoyed that somebody has accused them of not paying a bill. I mean, for heaven's sake, do none of them have an ounce of compassion or empathy? I think Rory should um, not go into finance. I think he should go and set himself up as a good psychotherapist, come into this village and clean up they all are severely lacking in emotional intelligence. So that's my I hate Shula for the week. And I hope everybody's safe and well out there. And I'll speak to you soon. 
Well, that's quite a rant, isn't it? Uh, I don't think uh, Jen likes Shula. Uh, I, I was just, just just getting that impression that <laughs> she's not a big fan. <laughs> really? Uh, we've, we've touched on this already, haven't we? She, not Shula's finest moment. Uh, I don't think... She, I think it's a bit hard to say she was tearing her off a strip, but she wasn't as sympathetic or as empathetic as she should have been and should have got it into some sort of proportion. Rory, as a good psychotherapist for the village, is an interesting notion and I think has met, has some merit. He does have good people skills, doesn't he? He's a good listener and he is sympathetic and he's uh, a calming influence and people open up to him. So, yeah, drop the finance, Rory, become a psychotherapist. Was My God, this village needs it. It really does. It kind of needs urgent psychiatric care for many, many people uh, across the board, I think. I mean, Ruri is such a wonderful young man and, and so is Ben. And I love hearing them together. Yeah, I think we've I think we've extemporized enough about Shula for one for one episode of Dumpty Dum. I don't know, unless Philippa has anything else you want to talk about in terms of maybe her cardigans, uh, her, her riding style. I just don't know. Her big bottom. We don't know she has a big bottom. Well, according to Susan. Wow. But we didn't have big Susan's bottom is either. (laughs) (laughs) Shula was just so pious. There was no help there. You know, if it was me, I'd have said, right, let's let's leave an answer phone message apologising to anyone who calls in. Let's do a letter to go out with the newspapers tomorrow. But no, it was all, oh, my goodness, this is this is the end of the world. And uh, yes, I I agree with Jen. not not Shula's finest week at all, but we have more from, from Jen later. So now let's hurry on to glorious Glyn. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. I'm sort of on location, but sitting in the car park at B&Q, so I'm not going to send a photograph this week. Let's get straight on to the archers. Um, hard to see beyond the Alice storyline at the moment. And a um, couple of standout points for me this week were when Neil, I think at the end of Monday's episode, sounded like he was at almost at breaking point, which was uh, very hard to hear. And then just on Wednesday, I think it was, Chris just said at one point, I'm so tired or I'm just so tired. And again, I think that so expressed where he's at and where how he's uh, sort of got to the point of not being able to cope with the situation anymore. We as listeners, I think, have several times thought, well, perhaps this is it. This is the point at which Alice can't go any lower and her recovery must start now, whether it was the um, episode with Harrison or the christening. And now we have the involvement of social services. And I wonder whether the message from the scriptwriters or the message is it'll only stop when Alice actually decides once and for all it has to stop. And we as Listeners just have to be patient and wait for that for that moment to come, whenever it may be. Anyway, I shall say thank you for the podcast. Enjoying listening, especially to the the dream team of Quentin, Rosie, and Philippa, and looking forward to hearing you this week. And um, best wishes to all in Dumpty Dumland. Stay safe, everybody, and let's get to the end of this pandemic. Bye. Thank you so much, Glenn. And yes, everybody stay safe. We're not out of the woods yet. Um, even though I get my first jab on Friday, which I'm very excited about. And calling in from the B&Q car park. I love B&Q. I wouldn't mind seeing a few photos of the B&Q car park and people going past with lots of exciting wood pallets, etc. And I think 
this the, the essence of you know having to wait and be patient is really really difficult because I think as listeners we just want Alice to be okay and we're finding it really hard hearing our much beloved Neil and Susan struggling and it is it's, it's almost made me cry listening to Neil just being so exhausted you know when his harridan of a daughter was kicking off yet again and Neil just sounded like he was going to burst into tears it's mm. just heartbreaking it's it's the breaking point that Glyn referred to and I referred to earlier as well that moment when his, when his voice cracked it was very moving Glyn thank you dream team we like a bit of flattery on the podcast yes <laughs> it goes down very well thank you thank you for that Glyn uh, uh, I was at B&Q this week as well. You might have seen me coming out of B&Q with a new loose seat. That was one of the highlights of my week. <laughs> the glamour. Was that for the the static living quarters or was it for somewhere else? For, for, the, for, the, for our new static caravan slash leisure home. No, no it's for, for, for here, home in Nottinghamshire. So, yes, I, you can picture the scene of me on my, on my knees trying to fit this damn thing. Um, <clears throat> Not the most, uh, not my finest moment, I have to say. It's humbling to be on your knees fitting a loose seat, but uh, there you go. That was my week, along with the mowing. But yeah, Glyn, you're right. Um, we are in, it's, you've, you've referred to it before as well, Glyn. We're in for the long haul, aren't we, on this? And uh, as you said, it'll only be over when Alice decides it's going to be over. So on our knees, Alice, please, can you decide it's over and please find find the help you need? Yes, Glenn, thank you for your lovely comments about the Dream Team. That's just so kind of you. And yeah, I'd love a photo of the B&Q car park. In fact, I need a new lampshade. So, Glenn, while you're there, if you could just get me a cream lampshade, I'd be ever so grateful. Oh, I can assure you there are plenty on, on display, don't worry. <laughs> oh, I, I look forward to it. And uh, yes, it, it's, it's uh, such a good lesson for us in how, uh, and as Glenn says and Quentin says, it the the time that we know it will be rock bottom is the time that Alice decides it is. And even though we think surely it can't get any worse than this, it, it is each week we're hearing more and more revealed, which is very uncomfortable. So, uh, yes, with a, a deep sigh, we'll, uh, we will await this week's uh, episodes. There's uh, bound to be some more revelations in it. But uh, thank you, Glenn, for that wonderful call. And let's go on to Captivating Claire. Hello to Dumpty Dummers everywhere. This is Claire Page from Northern France, tweeting Frog on the Twitters, an occasional caller in her. I'm not calling in with a plot prediction because I really don't know what's going to happen next. I couldn't have predicted Alice throwing a brick through a window, even though she regretted it afterwards. I can understand Jazza being angry about it. He was standing up for Jim. Um, I'm not sure whether we went over the top uh, with that um, anger and shutting the door in Alice's face, but I can totally understand Jim and Susan deciding that Alice shouldn't have punishment punishment from them, such as pressing charges. But it could turn out that she gets official punishment if social services decide to put Martha into foster care. The whole family is going to lose her. We'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. But that was a big bombshell at the end of yesterday's episode. I'm making this call on Friday. We'll just have to see what happens. But uh, the story isn't over yet by a long shot. And here's hoping Alice will get into rehab and get the treatment she needs eventually. Anyway, that's enough waffle from me. I'm hopefully not going over my two minutes. So bye for now. 
Lovely to hear from you, Captivating Claire. It's the second call we've had from northern France, isn't it? Um, it's a little pocket of Archer's uh, fandom there. Uh, interesting points you made, Claire. You packed a lot in there. You, you can understand Jazza being angry with Alice when she turned up. And that, that prompted quite a discussion. Was he over the top? Was he insensitive? He's so protective of, as you referred earlier, Rosie, to his father figure, Jim, that anybody who hurts Jim hurts him, doesn't he? So he, he was quite brutal. I think he sort of said, she, Martha needs needs a mar and, and you're not that mar. So he, he didn't hold back. But then, then, of course, it was reined in again by uh, the wisdom and maturity of Jim saying, you know, we all have our demons and remember my demons that came out and I behaved appallingly to both you and Alistair. The notion of punishment was interesting. It came up quite a lot, didn't it, throughout the week. And in fact, Alice, in one of the most disturbing lines, I thought, said when she was thinking, I think she was talking to Neil, wasn't she? She said, I do deserve all the punishment that's going. So that's another whole layer, isn't there, of, of self-loathing, of, of, of the shame that um, we have discussed at length on the podcast before. She, she's got she got a lot to sort out, hasn't she, poor Alice? She's just, she has demons and she needs therapeutic treatment. And I fear that without that, there could be more of these kind of, I don't know, never-ending rock bottoms. I think the intervention of social services is going to hopefully direct a positive outcome for Alice and the wider Carter family because with that intervention will hopefully be a bit of a reality check for Alice. And, you know, her family do have the resources available to them to support private care. And that's probably what's needed now is, is for her to kind of exit um, the village and, and receive some residential treatment. Yes, I wonder if this, if social services getting involved actually is the, the point when Jennifer's attitude changes, because her her voice sounded, she just couldn't believe it that she was getting this call. Yes, they'd been to a police station and yes, her daughter's an alcoholic, but to have a phone call from social services, you know, when you think back to her taking care of Rory, you know, she just can't conceive of social services being involved with her family and yet there's nothing she can do about it now. And so I just wonder if if that's going to tip her um, o- over the edge of stopping enabling Alice, oh darling, mm-hmm. and actually doing something about it. But it, I, I don't imagine Martha would go into into care because there's Chris. Chris is there, her uh, Martha's biological father, and um, and he can take Martha and and care for her. And there is a support unit there. So I, I do hope that there's nothing like that happening um but uh, but then who knows with the archers i should always uh, expect the unexpected so that was claire thank you very much claire and now we go to admirable ali hi all it is ali calling again this week i wasn't in a call but thursday and thursday's episode just rubbed me the wrong way and my husband probably doesn't want to hear about that The idea that Jim and Susan hold the cards on whether or not charges are brought, at least in the United States, is a fiction that is perpetuated on television. It's not true in many states. Um, I would imagine, based on the fact that um, a lot of our 
a lot of the jurisprudence in the original 13 original states, I live in one, are based on English jurisprudence. That just doesn't ring true to me. And I'm, I'm hoping somebody with a little bit more English jurisprudence knowledge is calling in. But the plot prediction has been put out there online that they, they're going to get divorced, Chris and Alice, and that will then give Chris a stake of the farm. I think that what will happen is they will get divorced. But in an episode we didn't hear, you know, one of those things that occurred outside our ears was that there's a postnuptial agreement. And it's my understanding that in the UK, the judge gets to decide. Thank you, Ali. And yes, in terms of legal jurisprudence, in the UK at least, it's not up to the victim of crime to determine whether charges should be levied against a perpetrator. The Crown Prosecution Service will make a determination in relation to uh, the evidence, the nature of the offence itself, and the likelihood of a prosecution being successful before they will advise you know, the relevant police authority as to whether to press charges. There was no real physical violence, um, you know, associated with the offence. And I think it's highly unlikely that the CPS would consider it in the public interest to lay charges against Alice in this sort of, it's, it's antisocial behaviour, it's a low-level crime, nobody was physically truly injured. So I think it's highly unlikely the CPS would make a recommendation to you know, Borsetshire Constabulary to, to lay charges. Uh, but I'm not a legal expert. I mean, Quentin, you know, in terms of your media reporting days, did you ever cover kind of criminal proceedings? Oh, loads. Yes, loads and loads. And it it remains, you know, every time you went to court, you learned something new. And just when you thought you'd suss the law, it would surprise you again. Sometimes you're in court and it, judges and barristers were surprised <laughs> so yes it's it's very very complicated and i, I think the way you've, you've you've set it out i i i bow to your greater knowledge on this you, oh. you sounded uh like you're a member of the of the judiciary yourself rosie very impressive um so i, I but my my feeling was that the the same that it's not mm-hmm. actually up to the victim of crime to decide it is actually down to as you said the cps if there is uh some some a criminal act that needs to be charged. So we'll, we'll give them a bit of um, uh, uh, artistic license there. No doubt somebody far more qualified than us who listens to the archers will probably step in and say, you're talking absolute nonsense, blah, blah, blah. We'd love to hear from you. It, interesting that um, uh, Ali was concerned about her husband's concerns about her being rubbed up the wrong way. We'd like a bit of, uh, we like, we, we like a bit of double entendre on the archers. So thank you very much for that as well, Ali. So, and um, the, the, the notion that they may get divorced and Chris will get a stake in, in home farm. That's something I hadn't thought about. Interesting. Um, no mention of a prenup. I've, I've, I, I would be surprised if there was a prenup, or unless Brian insisted that there was. Had, has there ever been a, a prenup mentioned? I don't think so. They got married in Las Vegas, so there was no time to do a, a, a prenup at all. It was all a, a, a bit of a surprise. But oh, I'd for, forgotten that. Yes, you're right. I, yeah. I love this discussion about the appropriate legal route, and I think what we're forgetting here is that. Ambridge has its own laws. We've seen that with COVID lockdown, you know, when the rest of us are locked in the house and unable to leave, they're all able to go and mix in each other's houses. So Ambridge is is a 
independent zone, I think, that has its own laws uh, that doesn't need to follow anyone else's. So who who knows what's what's going to have there? But I thought surely the post office would get involved because if the post office is going to be shut for a, a few days, maybe a week, that's going to affect its takings. And we certainly know from British news that the post office isn't uh, scared to to go after people where they think there's legal recourse. So I'd be interested to see what happens with that. It was also interesting to hear that Jim had got cuts to his face. Does that mean he sort of jumped over Susan to shield her from, from the falling glass? Um, I, I don't know. Oh, and also I've got to mention, it was very good to hear Peggy um, in, in that episode, you know, just to hear that the, uh, the, the phone call um, with Jennifer and uh, it was just wonderful. Welcome back, Peggy. So thank you, Ali. That was great. Now we go to Jen for her second call. Greetings, Quentin, Rosie, Philippa, Royfield, Uncle Tom, Cobbley and all. Wow, what a week. So good I had to call in twice. Smashgate, what about it? Oh my goodness. Um, first of all, I think in fairness to Alice, if I had to stay in a house with Jenny Darling for a week, I would be seriously in need of vodka and bricks might fly through village windows. I mean, that's just unreasonable um, torture for anybody. Um, I do have an alternate theory, though. As I called in earlier, they did make quite a stushy about these newspapers. Now, did Alice actually smash the window or is she taking the heat for Peggy and Jill? Because Jill has confessed previously to wanting to put a brick through the Grace Archer Memorial window. So we know she has form. We know she's been planning this. I think possibly that's where the brick came from. And then Alice was on the scene too befuddled to get out of it and, and scarp her before the cops turned up. So not entirely sure Alice is guilty. Um, we've had a lot of fun on Twitter this week um, thinking about the brick. I mean, where did this brick come from? What is its backstory? Where is it now? Uh, it's it's practically a new character on Twitter at this stage. Then we have the whole um, shock horror. Oh my goodness, a social worker getting involved. Well, thank God for that. High time. I'm really hoping it'll be Claire in the community. I think that would be the perfect character to wind the Aldridge's up. Can't wait to see how this goes. I think we're going to have a lot of fun seeing Jenny Darling finally humble. They do seem to be going in for a bit much, though. I hope in some point she gets to return to the Albion a much wiser and nicer person and of course we hope that the social worker is going to do a lot of good for Alice and Chris. Well Jen is obviously delirious with enthusiasm for this week's uh, Archers and that's her second one isn't it and uh, now she's on to Smashgate she's come up with some fantastic phrases nice one Smashgate uh, and she's obsessed with the backstory to the brick I, I I didn't give it a second's extra thought. I just thought, you know, it's hanging around. But obviously, Jen is concerned as to why there is this spare brick hanging around the streets of, of Ambridge. I mean, it really is letting the neighbourhood down, isn't it, to have one. Um, <laughs> sympathy with Alice for being forced to stay with Jenny. She said it would drive anybody uh, to, to vodka to want that. Um I like the idea of a Claire in the community type social worker driving the Aldridge's up the wall. But does that mean we have to have more Adam? Because, of course, the actor who plays Adam is in Claire in the community. Um, (laughs) So we do have to consider this. Though apparently he's much, you know, he's completely transformed in Claire in the community. Yes. um, He he, he sounds completely different and uh, is actually a a likeable character. 
So I would be wary of a clear in the community because I couldn't take any more Adam because that would drive me to smashing down a brick wall and throwing the bricks everywhere. Well, Ambrick the movie is going to be a thing. We've had some casting calls <laughs> over Twitter over the weekend with some suggestions as to which famous actors would be best placed to play different characters. And that's all been really good fun. And also some dialogue and disagreement about whether a brick, a brick can splinter or not. And yes, I mean you, Stephen Bowden. Yes, you can get a splinter from a brick. But but moving on, I think just the, the, the level of drama in this week's The Archers has kind of set social media on fire, to be honest. It's been great. Lots and lots of fun has been had in the Twittersphere and on Facebook, I think. And in a way, that counteracts a bit of the vague depression that the storyline is creating, because it is, you know, we've discussed ad nauseum what a hard listener is. So it is quite fun talking about Ambrick, the movie, rather than detox the disaster, which is what could happen as well. I wondered if it really was a, a brick as you would imagine, or if it was a, a chicken brick, because I'm sure it was either Susan or Jennifer, this is going back a few years ago, used a chicken brick to to cook their chicken, their roast chicken in. So I wondered if it if oh, that was... like a Moroccan thing. Yes, exactly. Like a tagine. Yes. <gasps> But shaped oh, as a wow. chicken, so I didn't know if, if it was <laughs> that. That's more likely to be lying around than a brick in Ambridge. I don't know, but I think it's a fossilized flapjack from Jill. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, no. I think they'd all, the, the whole family would have would have eaten eaten them up. Well, like. Jen suspects. Jen suspects Jill. <laughs> well, you never you never know. And I love this idea of uh, the Claire in the community as the social worker. Um, I think that would be fantastic. I'd love yeah, to see Brian deal with that. But equally, <laughs> what if instead she was like um, Anna Maxwell Martin from the line of duty, you know, uh, Detective Ooh. Chief Ooh. Superintendent Ooh. Patricia Carmichael. Ooh. I Ooh. would love that. This, yes. yes, the steely smile. I just, oh, yes, oh, that's, the, that. I'd love to listen to The, the to passive that. aggression. Yes, wonderful. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But uh, very, very good. Well, what what calls we have had that's been absolutely wonderful thank you we we value them so much so please keep them coming the, the more the merrier now rosie do we have any emails we do we have one from a mr anon of ambridge mm. which is interesting yes and the subject is dumpty dum email a winner dear rosie philippa and quentin i wondered if you could consider a new part of the show as I think you would be good agony aunts, uncles, and I have a problem I would like your advice with. This week, I witnessed someone throwing a brick through a shop window, and I immediately called the police. I have now heard that no charges are being pressed, and I'm worried that the person will just get away with it, like they do everything. It seems so unfair. What should I do? I look forward to hearing your answers on the next episode. Thank you for your help. Well... Mr. Anon of, of Ambridge. I'm surprised it's a man, actually, because <laughs> I thought it may have been Emma. Oh, yes. <laughs> who called the cops. Yeah. So I think in terms of sort of what um, Mr. Anon of, of Ambridge should do is he should start keeping a daily diary of antisocial events associated <laughs> with the perpetrator. And once they have sufficient evidence that there is effectively a repeat offender harassing Ambridge, they can submit their file of evidence to Borsetshire CID and DCI Davies will come out and make an arrest. That's my recommendation. I, lo I like the way that Mr. Non called the police. 
I'd imagine if it's Harrison Burns, he's still waiting for a response. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it happened just down the road from him. So what do you expect? I think uh, they should double up with the with uh, Linda's speed team, you know, the speed gun people. <laughs> so they could be monitoring both speeding motorists and also brick throwers in the lanes of Ambridge. That is a great idea. I absolutely love love that that email, and I love the concept of us being agony aunts and uncles. Bring it on! I think it's great, and I love the advice that, that you've given. That's, uh... Well, Ambridge brings us enough agony anyway. We don't need need it more, do we? <laughs> but but this 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 writer's correct in a way that Alice, to this point, appears to have. Uh, got away with, with it but um who are you uh anon it was what was it rosie anon of ambridge mr anon of ambridge oh my goodness just very interesting we look forward to uh, more emails from you all and more emails from mr anon of ambridge and now let's sit back for some socials with sue hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my lovelies. It's Siri here, Queen or Tart. I am feeling so glad to be on the social media roundup this week because what a week in Ambridge. It's been fantastic. But firstly, I've got to get a really important question out of the way. Does anybody understand the cryptic crossword question and can give us an actual answer? I've seen so many different things out there and I can't do a cryptic crossword to save my life. So um, if you really know what it is, it'd be great if you could post up an answer. There's been so many different suggestions over multiple groups. All of them seem to have some merit. The explanations are sound, but I'm lost, frankly. So let's get down to the nitty gritty, frankly, the downright gritty this week. Kate Lyle asked if Chris was a woman, would people's attitude be different? And many people, including Lawrence, Rob, David, Leslie, Adam and Viv, all thought that it would be. 
Kate thinks he's putting Martha front and centre, which is exactly what Peggy said should happen. But Lucy says we should really always be asking this kind of question. And Tindara said that it's important that we think about how women who transgress the norm are viewed very badly by society. I think that's a really good point. And I think the Archers is guilty of that quite a lot of the time. Anna shared her real life experience of seeing children that she looked after in schools. It was all very sad. But it would be remiss of us not to point out that lots of children are not being raised by their mothers, including Xander. And thanks, Laura, very much for pointing this out. Sean also makes a great point that Chris is in a no-win situation. And Annie pointed out that Emma is vile and jealous of the Aldridges for having more money. That does seem quite harsh. I thought she had some very valid points, but... Well, I'm glad we've got some legal bods, including Michaela Hennessy-Vass and Gillian Holmes to talk about pressing charges and whether that's a really valid word usage. Is it just an actual term? Is it something that has been chosen by Alice to say to Brian and Jenny Darling? Or is it the scriptwriters just using language that they think that we will understand? At any rate, it seems to be completely invalid. Um, let's just blame Alice, shall we? Because, you know, that just seems to be how everything works at the moment. Charging decisions, may we point out, are made by the Crown Prosecution Service and have interesting levels of reality in comparison to the real world, as I was, was said to me by somebody who used to work for them this week. Brian, you're a clot. I cannot imagine how you would have behaved. You'd have been straight down the police station, throwing the absolute book at anybody if that had happened to Jenny or indeed to Alice. You really should have listened to Alice. Uh, she her magnificent acting. Lots of listeners congratulating Holly Chapman this week, including Darcy, Audrey, Elizabeth, all very impressed. And indeed, people were truly scared by her. It was really eerie to listen. David pointed out that the last time she saw Jim was in the shop just prior to giving birth, of course, in the back of Jim's car, as we know. And now she was having the screaming abdabs over the vodka. Ian thought, controversial this, Ian thought that she sounded a bit like a porn actress, although he's never, ever seen a porn movie, ever, ever. I think he's made his point on that one. I want to put in a final shout out for Neil. In the poll that I put in this week, I put him in for three different actions and I'm ever so glad that Glyn just added one that said Neil for just about everything and he absolutely romped home, followed by Helen for being decent to Susan and Jim for standing up to Alice in the shop. Remember, folks, especially in Ambridge, no good deed goes unpunished. I'll see you all in a month. Enjoy with a spoon next week. Ah, thank you, Sue. And to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page. Now, Twitter is where it all started. So it's time to crown our tweeters of the week. Over to you, Quentin. Yes. Well, unlike Joy, who'd uh, leave her knickers at a life drawing class, I never leave home without my tweet of the week, as you know. And <laughs> we have... <laughs> Three good ones. It's been difficult because it's been a tough old week. It's been difficult to find ones that will bring a smile to our faces, which I do try and find. But I think I've found three. So with the bronze medal, we have Julian Smith, who's 
Twitter handle is at the Starchers, and he suggests this. Spinning out of control in the Archers tonight, Alice is signed up for the cricket team after her impressive bowling action outside the village shop. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And we are approaching the cricket season. Well, it started, hasn't it, I believe? Yes. Okay, in silver position, once again, I, I'm playing a, another blinder. It's Her Holiness, Pope Mrs. Trellis I, whose Twitter handle is at the only way is up. And it's a conversation in the shop between Jim and Alice. Hi, Jim. Hello, Alice. Did you want Susan? She's just left. I know. I was watching her. Okay, well, that's not at all creepy. Anyway, what can I get you? Some crisps, pint of milk, wholemeal loaf, and two bottles of vodka, please. Alice, really? Crisps? Not healthy. (laughs) 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 And no swear words again from Her Holiness, which is remarkable. But we have in gold position from Gay Grey Bell, whose Twitter handle is at Grey, whose Twitter handle is at Grey Gay Bell twenty one, and this got lots of plaudits, and it is a reference to the three fine gentlemen this week, who uh, we've uh, all been lauding, particularly Neil, Jim, and Jazza. We are talking about, and Gay Grey Bell has this. She says, as a lesbian. Can I just say, it's disconcerting to be so in love with three Ambridge men tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love her. I love Gay Grey Bell. It's brilliant. Wonderful. Yes. And it got, oh, it's got at least over 100 likes. So there you go. A worthy winner for Gay Grey Bell. Well, those are our podium winners for this week, but another tweet that deserves a worthy mention was put out by Sarah Hehir. She's one of the script writers for The Archers, and she came up with that fantastic line last week when ever exploded to the audiences, you're just stuck up emotionally vacant losers. And the wonderful Waking Kraken sent Sarah an embroidery, a framed embroidery of that moment with those words, with Emma in a furious mode, and there's a lovely picture of Sarah there posing with that embroidered quote. Lovely stuff. Very good. Well, I did ask Royfield to get that on a T-shirt on the Dum Dum shop, but he he didn't manage it, so at least there's some embroidery instead, but that's that's very good. Um, and, of course, now to keep this podcast on the air does require some funding to cover essential costs. So if you'd like to support Dum Dum, you can join the Dum Dum Patreon community for $2 per show. If you make your way to the dumdydum.com website, click Donate at the top and follow the links to Patreon, or you can go straight to Patreon and search for Dum there. Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website, or leave a WhatsApp note, or text to 07957 167 696, which is plus 44 7957 167 696 if you're outside the UK. Now, on Twitter, we have the at Dumpty Dum team who are doing a great job. And do remember to use the capital T and A when you use the hashtag The Archers because it means the visually impaired can read all the tweets. Now, we're all on Twitter, so uh, squeezing every witty ounce out of our 280 characters now. Uh, and where can people find you two, Rosie? You can find me at Porty Rosie, so P O R T Y R O S I E. And you can find me at Quentin Rayner, Q U E N T I N R A Y N E R.
And I can be found at Quick Book Reviews. But as you know, no W, it's a three. I don't know why it's a bit embarrassing. But anyway, that's where you can find us. Also, we must say thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and of course, Lucy V. Freeman. So that's about it for this week. Now, what will happen next week? Very quickly, you two, any any predictions? I mean, I'm thinking it has to be a time Jennifer sees sense. I'm not sure Brian ever will. And we've got Helen and Lee moving into Beechwood. And is that going to go disastrously wrong? Any quick thoughts? Uh, Rex and his pigs, what's happening there? I'm sensing something nasty <laughs> in that shed that Kirsty's found the key for. You know, it could be that Blake, Ooh. Kenzie and Jordan never left Ambridge. <laughs> Oh, dear. And maybe they're holding on to the bricks. Yes. And I've got a feeling social services are going to turn up. I just got this feeling. I don't know where you get that feeling from, Quentin, but yes, absolutely. It could happen. So so that that's it. And we just want to say goodbye and thank you all again for everything that you've contributed to this week's show. We really appreciate it. Now, slight change with the music. We've reached out to the Dum Dum community um, and I would like to thank the Ambridge on Tyne lot in the northeast of England. So I've got to say it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. We sound like the three Ronnies, don't we? <laughs> Do a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.